Welcome to the Tomination Time podcast. I normally stream diet and fitness on Twitch with my waifu Helen. These podcasts will be edited portions of the stream. We'll go over diet, fitness, motivation, ergonomics, and more. Don't forget to follow us on twitch.tv slash Tomination Time and leave your notifications on for when we go live. Welcome, everyone. We got an interview, special interview here with my powerlifting coach, Brandon, or Bundun. You can find him on Instagram, <laughs> Coach Bundun, uh, twitch.tv slash Bundun. He is a fantastic powerlifting coach, and I have since adopted him as my uh, coach because for a lot, a lot of you guys know, like I was struggling with some QL pain, which is basically the, um, the side of your back, the lower back. My lower left section of my back was getting strained very easily. This is this is the QL region, quadratus lumborum. Uh, it was getting strained and two different powerlifting coaches briefly looked at my my form. They they didn't see a huge issue or they couldn't coach it out of me. Two physical therapists went to them for three months, three plus months, and spent hours and hours of doing mobility work and working on glute meat. This is a glute meat stability issue over and over, zero difference. Brandon saw him. I saw him streaming on Twitch randomly. I was like, he looks familiar, this sexy Hoppa, <laughs> sexy Hoppa man. He spent five minutes <laughs> looking at my lifts, asking me questions, and he asked questions, which I think is a huge sign of someone who knows what they're doing. Someone who's very wise. They they try to hear context. Five minutes, he coached it. He not only did he spot the problem, he coached it out of me with the correct cues. So he is fantastic. Uh, Payan says, so he's Tom saying that you can fix anything. Yes, he is perfect. He knows everything. <laughs> so, um, All the way. yeah. Yes. So that's, I, I have a huge, uh, a huge respect for this man as a teacher, a coach, all that stuff. And I want to get stronger. I want to, after I get stopped being sick and injured, but I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm ready to go. So he's gonna be coaching me and giving me a plan. So we're gonna go over this plan today and then uh, I'll be picking his brain about this a bit. And then we're gonna go on to kind of do some general powerlifting questions about like, why should we care about powerlifting? Why should you get a coach? That kind of stuff. And then afterward, we're going to do uh, some quick, actually we're not gonna do a Q and A here. Um, we're just gonna go raid him on his Twitch channel afterward to, um, you guys can do form checks over there and also ask him questions over there. So that being said, Brandon, welcome, man, over there in Australia. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, man. What an introduction. Yeah. <laughs> You're actually so nice and so humble. It's, I don't know, it's very nice hearing those kind words and like, do you just, I've actually been like watching a stream for a while. So it's really cool to be, you know, on your stream now. Yeah, it's awesome, dude. Dude, the honor is the honor is all mine, man. Like, <laughs> I'm serious. Like when I say, um, I don't know a lot. There's a lot of things I, I don't know. And whenever I meet someone who's a subject matter expert and can teach it, and is wise and ask questions of the person, to understand where they're coming from, that person is rare and they're very valuable. And what I'm saying is, toss a coin to your witcher or toss a coin to your to your coach. <laughs> so. <clears throat> which I'll be doing shortly after this. What? Crazy. <laughs> so um, I that's why like I immediately jived with him because he just uh, we spoke the same language and it was just awesome. All yeah, right. I think we have very similar values, to be yeah. honest. Like, anyway, we can talk about that more later. Let's, oh, for sure. We'll no, go ahead. It. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I think like um, in terms of like talking and getting to know um, the person before like teaching them stuff. I think mm -hmm. that's really important. And I think as well, one of the barriers on Twitch is like you have so many people in your chat, 
you don't have time as well to like really get personal with them, but you need to give them feedback. Um, And I think that can be hard sometimes. Uh, But I think you also do a good well, a good job as well, like generalizing the information you give out where it's not like too out of your scope that it's like going to be wrong information, but it's not too, um, it's not too specific either that it's not going to, you know, not work for that individual. So I think you do a good job with how you lay information on Twitch. Thank you. I I, appreciate that. Yeah. That's a nice. And also I think it's really, oh, sorry. So I also think it's really smart um, that you say you don't know stuff because I actually think one of the biggest problems right now in the current climate of social media is people are afraid to say, I don't know. Like, look, I obviously do a lot of powerlifting stuff, but there's a lot of thing in fitness that I don't really know. Um, and I think it takes a level of not intellect, but um, experience to realize even if you are an expert in a field, there's so many things you're just not going to be 100% sure of. Mm-hmm. And to just be like, oh, I know this, um, I'm going to just try is not right because it can lead to a lot of misinformation. Hashtag all the coronavirus stuff right now <laughs> and everyone trying to be an expert, but not even the experts really know what's up. Um, <laughs> it's pretty funny. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Absolutely. That too. So, Yeah. And so actually speaking of that exclamation mark coaching, uh, we are going to be, because we have such uh, mad mutual respect for each other. Oh my, this, this, this Brandon guy, (laughs) we're uh, putting together a coaching, a group coaching thing with me, Brandon, and also, uh, Sahil, he's a doctor and we'll be doing a very holistic view of this. So exclamation mark coaching and just fill out the Google form. If you're interested in hearing more information, we try to send out more information towards the end of the month or maybe beginning of, of next month. I'm not sure with coronavirus shutting down gyms and whatnot, we might have to like reassess when we start this. But anyway, all that being said. Let's get to it. So I'm just gonna pull this up on screen and I'll let you uh, take the reins okay. about talking over this this program and uh, what we're looking at. Okay, um, okay. So on the program, so what you have on the stream right now, um, there's two sheets. So this one is like your kind of general plan. Um, so when I've talked to Tom, Tom sent me a massive <laughs> kind of questionnaire and um, he pretty much just told me what he wanted to do. Yep. And from what I could see, what he wanted to do was, you can tell me if I'm, if yeah, I'm right here. It's almost, you've been injured for so long. You've never really got to properly test your like maxes. So you just want to you know, dedicate a good six months or you know, somewhere around that time frame to actually be able to test your one RMs for once in your life. Um, to me as well, which I had to note was it was almost... Like you do have, uh, I guess, more aspiration about like body composition. If like, I feel like that's more your main goal. Like if I was like, this is Tom's main goal, it would be towards that. So it was almost like a <laughs> similar to what I'm doing. It's like, you just want to get a PR and then retire from strength. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So I, I have to take that into consideration too, because it's like, okay, we have six months. Um, I need to have this properly planned out because one, I don't want to get hurt. And he only wants to do this really one time. Um, he may want to do it again in the future, but for now, that's what he wants. So it, this is just pretty much that out like that plan. Um, another side point is I don't really share the plan with all my clients. It kind of depends on the person. Um, knowing Tom and working a little bit with Tom before, I know that he's <laughs> very conscientious. Um, 
and he he's very orderly and he he likes to have a lot of structure and that's something that tom enjoys so me showing him a plan is probably motivating for him and very satisfying to him yes so, it is i, I do i do <laughs> like that reassurance of like i'm in good hands and also because like too much detail doesn't overwhelm me and also because i have an audience i like to share with them what's going on because i do enjoy seeing the big picture as well as the details so that's i guess the idea of why i've shown you it and like why i also written out um i usually will write out something like this for everybody um but yeah the if i was to show it it depends on the person um and then i can even we can go into detail if you yeah. want about like the specifics of well, um, let's just start with you introducing me to what this is. I briefly skimmed it. Yes. Um, that was about okay. it. I saved most of this conversation for today. Okay. So pretty much I know that from like current today till about April, um, obviously you have the front page Twitch stuff. Um, you don't really have as much time to like train properly and <laughs> right. you were going through a cut as well. So. I need to take that in consideration, like how many calories and like what training are you coming from until we start. So in April, we kind of have like almost like a, a tra it's, it's like a transitional phase to more structured training, more time with training. And um, in that time, we plan to like build a little bit of muscle, but most importantly, like look at your technique a bit more and see how the structured training um, affects your performance and affects your recovery and affects your QL and all that kind of thing. So it's kind of like, I know it doesn't say transitional there, but it, it's still kind of like a transitional block, but we've, we're going to keep the loads real light. So we don't, you know, spark up any injury, start working on that, um, that back tolerance and, and that time as well, because you will have more time, uh, kind of, how can I say, figure out exactly how much volume you can handle. And if there's anything extra we need to work on. Um, and then from there, it's quite just like a linear uh, process where it's like, we're just going to slowly ramp up the loads, reduce the weights, get closer to a one RM. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much the, the general plan of how it's going to go. And the, I think the big thing is like, it's, it's important to have a plan, but it's more important to have flexibility because mm. anything can happen in your plan. Like you could, the biggest and hardest thing is like, we're trying to manage an injury at any point here, we could accidentally overshoot and it could hurt your back. So if we were to, you know, have too much of a structured plan, we set up, like set up, set ourselves up for failure. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. I, that's why the, the, I like the, you, right now you have four weeks written out. So that's some direction. And then you have the whole six month plan. But the reason I don't write a whole six month program up front is because i'm expecting changes i'm expecting changes not just throughout the whole process but even like day to day like you might just tell me yo this like you do your monday session or whatever and you might be like hey man like my back's really sore i can't do another session this week and that's that's when i have to sit down and adjust the plan um and if i was to write six months out right it would be a nightmare to yeah yeah it's a waste change of time. one day and then like a domino effect of changing everything else <laughs> right um so yeah, 
that's so, about it. Um, I, I will say I was going to agree with that because um, mm-hmm. definitely need some flexibility. And I'm, I'm also flexible on like when I try to peak. So right now we have it kind of planned for August, which is fine. Um, mm-hmm. I don't mind pushing that to September, October. If things like, for example, coronavirus, if I'm like, I'm still not really cutting or working out right now. And I'm. I don't have any capacity right now because yesterday, even yesterday, walking was getting me winded. So it's like, fuck, I was going to try to do squats. I was like, nope, nope, not going to happen today. Even <laughs> light squats. So um, yeah. I, my goal is, like you said, I want to try to hit a PR uh, and then basically retire. Either 5RM or a 1RM. Either one I'm okay with. Uh, but 5RM being a 5 rep max because um, that's just generally a little bit safer for me. But in the hands of a coach, I don't mind trying to do a one RM. Um, so that's yeah, that's all I had to say about everything you said so far. So what do you want to look cool. at next? Um, we can look at the actual program if you want. Like we can like kind of uh, like uh, this page break. Yeah, this page. So um, okay, this is just like a general. The layout is just my general program layout. But what I've written is very individual for Tom. Um, there's a lot we can. Going. So Tom has, okay. So Tom's a special case because Tom streams and has limited time. So I've got to take into consideration. Okay. Not only do, not only do we want to manage the QL, so we can't have things that load the lower back heaps back to back, but also we're constricting a bit on time. So if you can actually see, it's just based on exercise selection. Um, I've outlined the time he's dedicated for training, but for day one and day two, there's only three exercises. And then whereas day three and day four, there's five. Now, um, quick question for you, by the way, yes. uh, I want to, how do I, is there an easy way to just slide this up? Take that out. Uh, yeah. Um, you know what? I, I'm just going to find a different way. I'll do it for you. There's another there way go. I can. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. There we go. Yeah. 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 That's going to be easier cool. for me to scroll around and show on a uh, stream. Yeah. Um, sorry. What was I saying? Oh, okay. So yeah, you have day one, day two, three exercises only. Um, and the, sorry, yeah, day one, and then day three, day four, you have five. Um, they're also split into like difficulty. So you have your high, you have your hardest um, squat day, day one. Even though you're limited on time, the reason your hardest squat day is day one is because day four is your hardest deadlift day. Now these two exercises um, put a bit of load in your QL, and they're the exercises that you've had like problems within the past. So the reason they're complete opposites uh, in terms of like weekly training um, is because we just don't want anything to like hurt your QL. Now, the thing as well with the structure here, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of trial and error because I don't know what's going to flare up your QL. Like one, I'm not a physio, hashtag disclaimer, <laughs> but also, but also like I've worked with you for a little bit, but I haven't had your whole training structured before so for me when i write this program okay i gotta pretty much kind of have a guess is like what is going to be the most manageable and it's always safe for one to be a little bit conservative and to like really take into consideration how much work can you actually get in and avoid like injury at all costs so i the last thing i want to do really is put a pretty hard program from the first month and then you hurt yourself. And then we like, shit, we need to <laughs> replan the whole system mm-hmm. again. So I pretty much, it's almost, I have a, a very conservative shot of what I think is going to work plan 
keep flexibility and make sure I'm on top of your training to be able to adjust it um, to get it to work. Uh, what else is there? There's, so, there's a lot we can get into. It'd probably be easier if we if you ask questions and then we can like get into the specific, like specifics of it. Okay, yeah. I was going to see if you had anything else like you wanted to intro with. <clears throat> Otherwise, I could start uh, poking at some stuff here. <clears throat> no, so, I want you to poke. All right, okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <clears throat> so... Um, progression. Can you talk a bit about progression? That was a question that actually came up in chat, yes. and that was one of my first progressions. Uh, question, my first questions. Um, so Bob Ross says, "Is this going to be progressive overload plan or variable overloading?" Um. Okay, so it's all programs need to have a form of progressive overload. It is a training principle. Um, for people who don't know what progressive overload is, it simply is week by week or over time things get harder so if things never get harder or things never go through like you never use progressive overload or some form of overload you won't get stronger you won't make improvements um it's it's a very kind of evolutionary human like uh thing where okay if you're going to do the same thing all the time with no progression um you're not going to Obviously, your body's not going to adapt to that stimulus and get stronger. So over time, things need to be get need things need to get harder for your body to be like, oh shit, I don't want to die. I need to do X weight more and more and more. So I must get stronger to lift these things. Um, so yes, like there is obviously progressive overload. Um, I guess one thing you should note is that the the loads are relatively light. So we're not trying to so what I just said, right, you could, you could pretty much take it. Okay. I'm going to max out week one and then max out week two and just make sure it's a little bit heavier, a little bit heavier, a little bit heavier. Um, but the loads are very conservative and one that's because you don't need to work hundred percent to get a stimulus or to get an improvement. So like you don't need to max out, um, every time to, you know, get some strength gains. You can kind of work on your, let's say, your 80% range and improve that 80% range, which in turn improves the hundred percent or your, your max. Um, so as well, cause we're dealing with an injury, I have to be extra conservative just to start with. Um, so right now, like one, 145 pounds for Tom is pretty light in the scheme of things. Yeah. Um, and there is some, if we look week by week, there is some form of progressive over, like things go up 10 pounds, five pounds, five pounds each week. Um, and the idea is, uh, even if 145 pounds is a joke for Tom, we want him to, it's a, it should be enough weight to get a bit of a stimulus, especially because he hasn't been training, he's been sick. Yep. Um, that's all you really need to do to start with. And that's why as well, I took the first week is really, really light to take into consideration that um, there's so many things that could, ha could be happening before this program because I know... <laughs> what's happening in Tom's life right now, that being extra conservative is always safer. And if we get to week two, he's like, man, I'm bored. This is super, super, super easy. My QL is fine. It actually feels better than ever. Then I can just bump the loads up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did that answer the progressive overload question a little bit? Yeah, it does. Um, at least to me, it does. Bob Ross, you can, you can follow up if you want. 
Um, we're for the most part ignoring chat today, but I'll be looking for anything that's relevant that kind of matches what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I was looking over this and this is actually quite low on volume and, and, and light. A couple of my comments are actually my Tuesday is going to open up to be longer. So I actually probably could do, um, close to a full hour, 45 minutes to an hour worth of a workout, but let's just start here and then see how we're doing. If I want to add any more volume anywhere Wednesday, um, having Wednesday off completely is kind of nice. So I can actually just do some gaming or chill. Uh, that is nice to have. Although my front page series is ending. So my Wednesdays aren't that busy anymore. But um, yeah, so <clears throat> I want to, um, before I ask for specifics on the mm -hmm. choices of exercises and whatnot, um, I want to ask you about deloads. How do you plan on doing yep. deloads throughout this entire process? Okay, with me, I have a general idea when to deload or like a general, again, I have a general plan. Like I would say for major, for as this is quite conservative, you probably won't need a deload specifically after this block of training, like for after sure. this four yeah. weeks of training, uh, just because I know the loads are really light um, and the volume is like not super high. It's actually quite low. Uh, in terms of deloads for me, I always talk to my, my clients or talk to whoever <laughs> I'm coaching um, and see how they feel. So there's two things I'll look at. One, if they tell me, yo, Brandon, I feel like shit, I'll be like, okay, <laughs> we might need to put a deload in here somewhere. But also I can't just rely on that information. So if if they're filming their lifts, like let's say a powerlifter, they're filming their lifts and I see they're doing a squat, that should be easy. And I'm literally looking at the bar and the bar's going up slow, really slow. I'm like, okay, this guy or girl is really fatigued right now. Um, I need to organize the deload. So I usually go off based on that more. But then once again, like if we do eight weeks of training, and I haven't done a deload, but everything is fine. I'll kind of just put a deload in there just for like safety precautions, like just mm -hmm. in case, like I want to constantly progress. Maybe things are just going really well. And that could be a reflection on not because I haven't had a deload, but maybe my training's too conservative. So I'll be like, okay, I'll still put a deload in here because we've been we've done a lot of training. And then I'll make this next block a bit harder and see how they go and how they manage. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say too. <laughs> I have um I have a tendency to push too hard and uh yes. push RPE nine, push RPE ten, which for those that don't know, like I'll just define RPE really quick because this, this will come up. Rate of perceived exertion, basically RPE, like how hard was it? 10 out of 10, uh, 10 out of 10 scale. So RPE 10 means you is 10 out of 10 difficult, could do zero more reps. RPE nine it was nine out of ten difficult, you could have done one more rep. RPE eight means you could have done two more reps and so forth. So I tend to tell myself I'm doing RP eight or nine, but in reality I'm doing nine or 10 because I'm not honest with myself. Yep. Um, that's, I know one of my flaws with gauging mm -hmm. my own uh, difficulty. So it's good to have a second yes. person look at it. Uh, but that being said, I wanted to say the, what are the things I struggle with? So like this, this plan is fairly linear okay. right now with how we're yeah. just going to be like Super adding linear. on loads and stuff. I've traditionally started to really struggle around like for like let's say squats, high bar squat, um, like doing, you know, five by five of like, let's say 265, 275, that starts to get really hard for me. And I definitely cannot linearly progress. What do you see us yep. doing around that whenever we start hitting that wall? Because right now, yeah, these loads are super light, going to be easy. What do we do then? So, okay, so... Once again, this is gonna sound annoying, 
but okay. So the loads are really light right now. Um, and it's it kind of, it's like, let's see what happens. Yep. That's, that's the main thing. It's like, I made it really conservative. So you have time to adapt to the stimulus, adapt to doing eights. Cause I'm not sure if you've done eights that much for squats. Um, Am I right? A little, I, I mean, yes, a little bit in the past, but recently, no, not since I've been rehabbing things. I kept it at five, but I, I used to do four by eight. Yeah. Uh, the the closest powerlifting training I ever or programming I ever did was DUP uh, squats three times a week, and I yeah. would do a uh, four by eight for one session. Yeah, which so is like, fucking cardio, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, so hopefully by the, by the time we get more into like the meat of the program or like the plan, like let's say two months in, um, let's say you'll probably be doing things more comfortably at that load. So from there we can like work up. So as you can see, um, uh, on the program, if you, if you bring it up, uh, there's like an RPE slot. So let's say we finish this block and you've literally done RPE three for the whole week. I'll be like, okay, that's way too easy. I'll bump it up. But if I start seeing nines from like the middle of the week, so ideally I'm looking at week three, week four, and this is kind of where I'm less flexible and I'm more like, I kind of have like a, a style. Week three, week four, I generally like to push. And then week one, week two is kind of like an easier week. That that way it like manages the fatigue a bit better. Um, if I'm looking at, not for this, because this is an intro block, it's a bit different, but if it was the next block or like the week, sorry, the week five, week six, week seven, week eight, and things were still really, really easy, I've got to pretty much bump it up um, by then. Uh, actually, something I wanted to mention too was one of the choices I made of this program. So especially with people like Tom, he's, a, he's kind of like an advanced trainee. So he has a lot of experience. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Shucks. So the way I can... <laughs> so the way I can program is quite flexible. I mean, I didn't have to give him prescribed loads, but there's a reason I chose to give him prescribed loads. And it's the fact that I know that he tends to work too hard. So if I tell him, this is what you have to do, even if it's easy from the first week, that is fine. I can then manage his RP better by just giving him the exact number. There might be some weeks where he feels really good and that, num that RPE or that perceived exertion maybe lower than I wanted. Like maybe I'm trying to get like an RPE nine for one week and it's only an RPE six. That is fine. Knowing that, knowing that cause he always works hard, the potential to trigger his injury in, like is increased. So mm -hmm. the, for me to give you prescribed loads and be like, do exactly this. It takes out a variable that I don't have to worry about in terms of managing your QL. Um, that's another reason I just, you just, when you're talking about it for, I wanted to say before I forgot, um, that's one of the reasons I've given you prescribed loads for a lot of things, things that are, are you know, not as taxing. Um, and when I say taxing, I mean, into like, uh, not as, not as I guess a compound or like free weight movement, like just general accessory work. Um, you've got a bit more flexibility there, but for the main lifts and things that can trigger your QL, and things that really need to be managed, I've given Tom prescribed loads. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, now I have some questions, some specifics mm -hmm. on uh, particular exercise choices. So I, I've highlighted mm -hmm. the ones in red that I have questions on. I mean, pretty much everything else makes sense. I like it. Uh, I like what you have put here. But dumbbell Romanian deadlift and paused box <laughs> yep. squat. 
Um, yes. I want to talk about those. So why did you choose, like, let's go with Dumbbell, um, uh, Dumbbell Remaining Deadlift. Welcome everyone who's here. We got a raid. We're uh, in the middle of an interview with Brandon, exclamation mark Brandon. Um, so he, he, we're going over the plan that he gave for me. He's my powerlifting coach. So why choose Dumbbell Romanian deadlifts over traditional barbell deadlifts? What was going through your okay, mind for this? So, okay. So first off, you already have two deadlifts within the week. Um, just based on experience, I know even like really, really elite lifters um, and the nature of a deadlift, deadlifts are super, super taxing. So having more than two deadlifts a week can generally cause some issues. And once again, because of your QL pain, that's something I rather not risk. It's having extreme deadlift volume. Um, so the dumbbell Romanian deadlifts that they're not as a deadlift, but more just as a hip hinge accessory, um, a hip hinge accessory being like, uh, something that targets the glutes, the hamstrings, um, specifically, uh, I, I, because you're training at a home gym, they're kind of, that's also an area that is hard to load. It's something people would struggle to do at home. Yeah. Um, like it, like there's obviously there's like machines you can use mm -hmm. and like some, there's like back extensions and all these kind of stuff you can do, but with the equipment you have, that is limited. Yep. So the idea was I want for that, for the Romanian, the dumbbell Romanian deadlifts, when I was writing it down, I'm like, okay, I want a hip accessory that he can do with equipment at home. Um, and what's something that will also help him was not, not, not going to load his QL too much, but also help him improve his, his hinge pattern. So that's where I've come with dumbbell remaining deadlifts. And we'll kind of see how that goes. Like okay. if you're not happy with it or not enjoying it, it's, it's one of the choices that is very flexible. I just want a hinge accessory pretty much. Got it. Slot. What do you think about kettlebell swings as a hinge accessory too fast? I mean, it doesn't match enough to a regular deadlift um it's not bad it's still definitely obviously you go through hip hinge it is an accessory uh it's just less specific to powerlifting like that's where Got it's it. coming away from the actual deadlift if mm -hmm. does that make yeah that, that makes, make sense. sense yep okay. specificity matters it's kind of like playing yes. ping pong versus playing tennis they're kind of similar but they don't transfer to each other mm -hmm. one to one if you want to get better yes. at tennis play Correct. tennis not ping pong uh but and for, for is, go ahead yeah, go no go ahead, go ahead. Nah, 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 okay Oh, it's for you. <laughs> okay. Um, what I was going to say is for accessories, they don't need to be super, super specific, but just for this current phase, like I just really want you to improve your hinging and I wanted an accessory that was somewhat close. So yeah. I, I wouldn't mind if it was kettlebell swings because the actual role of that, uh, that exercise isn't, um, that important really mm -hmm. in the scheme of things you're already doing two deadlift days you're already doing you know heaps of other stuff um but yeah i just felt like based on the equipment you had and all that kind of stuff that dumbbell remain deadlifts will probably work well for now and then we can adjust it down the yeah. line if we're not so happy with it one of my issues with dumbbell romania deadlifts is my dumbbells get awkward when it gets heavy because of how i i put the plates on there i can be creative about this and try to figure out a way to make this work um so it's not block because basically with my dumbbell handles let me just grab one 
they can get a little bit awkward depending on the plates that I'm using. So um, mm-hmm. because the plates can be kind of thick and rest close, they might end up like scraping my thighs depending on what I'm using. Um, I will. Wor- this is a technical issue that I can work around. That's why I'm kind of curious about this. And so the easier, so the easier. If this becomes a problem um, for me, the the best workarounds would be either lighter dumbbell remaining deadlifts, like a single leg, perhaps. I don't know if you'd find value in that. I'd be okay with that as well. Uh, trying it out anyway, um, or switching to barbell, just so that way that chafing issue gets out of the way. But we could start with I'll dumbbell prob- remaining DLs to see how they go. Yeah, I'll probably prefer them to be actually single legged but for now i just wanted to because something you actually put in your uh what was it? how do you explain it your, what is it your pre-screening yep. sorry yeah, my yeah. blank there yeah something that you outline your pre-screening is that you didn't like single leg work correct. because it can cause you some issues and cause you some pain correct um and as well for your accessories just like you wouldn't have known this but like i usually tell my clients like there is a prescribed RP there for your accessories. And if you notice, like if you're gonna do 12 reps at an RP six, the load shouldn't be that heavy. True, true. Um, so one, the dumb, like in terms of logistics, it should, the dumbbell shouldn't get that heavy. If we want to move it to a single leg down the line, that is also, I would actually prefer that to be honest, cause I think you do need some unilateral, um, unilateral being single leg to work mm-hmm. or single, single joint, sorry, yeah. single, single leg limb. Work. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah. It's like 5 a.m. where you are in Australia right now. So <laughs> I think you can be hard yeah. this early. <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty much it. Do you want to go to the talk about the poor squat? Or um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I'm happy with that. And yeah, I did mention like unilateral stuff for legs. I try to avoid. Mm-hmm. However, I'm, I'm willing to like for very light loads, I'm willing to try it out. But we can stick with regular dumbbell remaining deadlifts for now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for those who don't know, I have past injuries to which single leg unilateral work can be risky, but uh, I'm, I'm willing to try to push the limbs a little bit on that. Okay, paused box squats. I'm not personally not a fan of uh, box squats in general. I just would rather go to po- regular pause squats. And I was curious on your thoughts about this. Okay. Um, there's There's like different kind of, Wait, pause squats or box squats? Which one do you like the box part or the I, pause I part? I don't like box parts. I, I, I'm fine with pause parts. Okay, cool. <clears throat> so the reason I've given you box squats. So I think traditionally people, there's like two kinds of ways people do box squats. Um, some people literally, when they go do it, they, they go squat down and then they kind of sit back and put all their weight on the box. <laughs> Whereas, yeah. which is like, which is fine. And it depends on, it depends on why you're doing it. But the, the way I've want you to do it is not to put all your weight and sit in the box. It's literally just an indication, like when to stop or when, when the depth is. So it's, I've actually written underneath a soft touch, kind of meaning that when you go down and pause, you're not going to be putting all your weight on the box. It's kind of just there as an indicator. Um, the reason I've done that is because I see sometimes I want to work a little bit on getting your squats um, a little bit more range. Um, but in doing that, we then increase the risk of de- like hurting the QL. So I was like, okay, I want to do a pause squat so that he can work in his brace, work in his balance in the hole specifically. So that's why it's got the pause. Um, in that part of the squat, a lot of people tend to lose their brace, lose mm-hmm. their balance, lose their back tightness. And when you lose those things that are the stability of the squat, you increase your injury risk is higher and hence Thomas's QL problems. 
working on a poor squat that's light can help him teach him how to stay tied up, more balanced in the hole. And then doing it to a box, one it, it eases that even more because you kind of can put a bit of your weight on the box. Um, but also it helps work in his depth because he tends to squat a little bit shallow and I would like to over time increase the, the range of motion of your squat so that he can work more muscle. The more range you go through, um, the more load of the musculature you can work. For example, if you're doing a bicep curl and you're only going to like there, obviously you're not going to work as much as your bicep. Whereas if you can go full range, you're going to get more of a contraction. Mm. So something that I would like to develop over time and while the load's light and while we're in a technique phase is something I would like to work on. Um, and that's why as well, I wrote just below parallel um, for the yeah. box. That's the idea. Hopefully yeah. you have something. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, so equipment wise, I don't have good equipment for for pause squats however i do have this chair that's soft i want to get your uh, opinion on it so ignore the lumbar support pillow let me take this off um so this is a generic ergonomic generic yeah generic uh chair and if i sit on it so you can see like because of my knee angle i'm slightly i'm basically to parallel so this is this is a good height yeah um but it's a little bit soft. Do you have any concerns about this? Or you think this would be fine? I could use this for the squats. It should be, as I said, it's just an indication. So you're not actually going to be fully sitting down on the, right. on the, um, on this chair. It's just going to be like, I just want you to be like, oh, my ass is touching the chair. <laughs> oh, it, it tickles my butt <laughs> and then get back up. Butt, man. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what I'm looking for is while I'm, I, I'm sitting, as soon as I feel that contact, I've tried to put as little load on that chair as possible. Is that what I'm trying to do? Or, I, or do I actually sit? Yeah. Like you want to put as, as not as little, but like you shouldn't be sitting down on the chair. It should just be a, an indication. It should be a touch. It should just be like, Oh, tickle my butt. Okay. I'm coming up or like I'm pausing and then I'm coming up. <laughs> so but when I hear the pause, like I'm trying to understand, Yes. do I stop? And actually put, um, like stop my momentum completely by letting the chair absorb yep. my momentum or do no. I stop them? Okay. So I don't let the so chair assist almost, me really. I'm almost like hovering. Letting the chair, yeah. Letting it tickle your bum and okay. you sit there and let it tickle and then you come up. Okay. <laughs> well, the sit down part is where like in my head it shifts to, I am actually resting for like even a quarter second of the entire load being on there. But what I'm hearing is I should not basically lose any core brace. I should not really transfer Correct. any load to the chair. So yep. it's I, just I, a range okay. indicator. That's All right. It. Got it. Okay. Yep. Um, good. And then the next question that I have is about relative loads. Um, mm -hmm. Take for example, the high bar squat three by eight, one forty five. I know you left RPE yep. off, but like say three by eight, 145. Um, pause squat, pause uh, squat, three by five, 135. To me, yep. even at five reps, that load is only slightly lighter. And the pause part to me makes it much harder. Um, I was curious on the load selection for that pause squat, pause deadlift as well. So deadlift is three by five, 165. Oh, let me scroll down a little bit. Three by five, 165. Right. But then for the pause or tempo deadlift, which makes it, in my opinion, much harder, it's, it's 155, only 10 pounds lighter. Of course, yes, only two reps. 
Uh, I was curious in your load selection there, and um, if you feel like should one be a lot lighter or heavier than the other, it's just that's already accounted for and just the decreased volume. Um, okay, so this is we can get really deep into this question. Yeah, let's do it. Um, the the simple answer to this is for this block of training, um, because it, the loads are already light, the like the lighter day or the more technique day or the different the alternative squat and deadlift day, the difference between those two days don't need to be that much because they're already really light. So I I suspect it won't be an issue. But like let's say in the future you're gonna push your high bar squats to a higher RPE or really difficult set. Like let's say you're going to do um, two sixty five for five on your high bar squat. I then know okay that day one let's just say it was two sixty five for five reps. I'll be like, okay, that's going to be pretty hard. That's going to be pretty taxing. The second squat day is going to have to be a lot lighter to manage that. But because of the current block of training and how it is fairly light and fairly easy, that variance won't need to be that much. Um, sorry, that difference won't need to be that big um, as well. Uh, something, to mat something to be aware of, you're doing eight reps for the normal high bar squat where you're only doing five reps for the um, for the pause box squat. So there is not only the, is the load a little bit lighter, but the reps are a little bit different too. Um, because there is a box and like I did say, yeah, you want to touch it softly and you should put all your weight on it. Um, it does take a little bit of the load off that too as well. Um, yeah, that's, there's, that's the main thing is like, there's already some differences. And as you, as we get heavier and harder, the harder days will get harder and the lighter days will get pretty much lighter relative. Okay. Sounds yeah. good. Um, the other question I had is about just bulking in general. So mm -hmm. I'm at 10, 12% ish body fat right now, probably 12. Uh, I'm okay to stop cutting and just go straight into bulking. Uh, this is up to you. Um, yeah. Bulk forever, <laughs> forever bulk powerlifting way. Um, I, so I'm curious about how much, bulking i should be doing how fast i should be going and in the big picture um just how how much bulking i want to do i want to stop at like 215 pounds max so i'm six feet tall right now 175 um i don't want to bulk past 215 because i'll probably hit about 20 percent body fat around then um and kilos someone do the conversion for me please that's 183 centimeters but i don't know the weight in kilos i think that's, that's <laughs> close to 100 kilos probably like 97 or something kilos so when i was when i was writing your programs when i was writing your program because i'm so used to working with kilos a lot i just had the google um converter next to me and i just like constantly copy and pasting like the converter be like wait i don't get this what does this mean what does 135 mean yeah yeah dude that's so funny because hey you're, you're gonna become really good at converting now hopefully for uh yeah, fingers for, for kilos and pounds at least ballparking oh, the estimates but um <laughs> Anyway, so curious on um, what rate of bulking do you suggest? How okay. much bulking yep. do you think I need to do? Should I even start bulking right now since these loads are so light? Okay, so just disclaimer for you guys in chat. This is specifically for Tom. So with strength training, um, ideally, we would want to be in a caloric surplus majority of the time. The reason being the focus is more on performance and having an excess amount of energy is going to make it easier to execute and better and funner and the focus is less on body comp and more on let's have fuel for training mm -hmm. one 
Second reason is that ideally we want to be putting a bit of muscle on throughout our program. Like we have six months. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. Yeah. And that's enough time to actually develop some muscle and put some muscle mass on. When you're doing strength training, your focus might not be on putting muscle on, but the byproduct or the second thing is to put muscle on because more muscle means you move more weight. So ideally, we want to be in a surplus for as long as we can within the six months. Um, for Tom specifically, I know he'll be fine with his nutrition, so I'm not going to really ma manage it yeah. um, like at all. But what I would say to you is that we want to be in a surplus as long as we can. I don't really want at any point to be in a deficit. If you want to like manage your weight and like cap yourself at a certain point, that is fine. Ideally, don't put yourself into such a massive caloric surplus. Like let's slowly build into mm -hmm. that weight uh, yeah. just so we are fueled for training because that's the primary goal. So I don't want a point where like we're going to peak, we're about to do testing and now you're chubby Tom and chubby Tom's <laughs> sad about how he looks. Like, I don't want to be at that point. Like, I don't want to be like, let's just fuel training, get our one arms. Like, that's yeah, the yeah. goal. Right, right. We should focus on that. And I think my my sadness <clears throat> about how I look would peak at 215. Also, things just get uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Like, my thighs are chafing everywhere. I just, I don't fucking, I fucking hate it. So, um, I, and, I, and based on what you're saying, six months, I did some quick math on that. If I were to go from 175 to 215 in six months, that's approximately a pound and a half of weight gained per week, which to me, that's too much. I'm not going to gain that much, but I'm just saying if I wanted to max out there as fast as I could. So if, if there's no uh, guidance on your end, I'm just going to do half a pound to a pound per week, but specifically in the initial month or two, I would be a lot slower with that and keep it to just half a pound or barely a surplus and then start ramping up as things actually get harder. Yeah, that's pretty logical. Um, I would say though, for the first block, I think you can probably get away with just being a bit more chill and like being more towards maintenance. But especially while the like the volume is higher, because the volume obviously will be reduced as we get closer to maxing. You're more suited towards hypertrophy in those kind of timeframes. So okay, good point. being in a surplus becomes more important then because you can kind of utilize your training, but uh, to do a training better, especially in that kind of transitional phase where it's going to be a bit of like hypertrophy and strength. By then we're kind of settled in and, um, but the volume is going to be still quite high. So we, we want to use that volume well and put muscle on in that time, because again, the more muscle you have, the more potential for strength. Yeah. All right. Good points. Um, in that case, you're right. I think, um, just for April, I'll start transitioning and then May and June, I'll just fucking pack it on a pound a week. Yes, let's, go, let's do man. it. Let's do it, man. I'm going to be a power lifter now, mom. <laughs> August, next time you stream, like in that time, you're going to bring SPD shirt, you yeah. have your knee sleeves on, your belt, actually, your wraps. Okay. Actually, now that you mentioned that, let's talk about accessories really quick. Um, knee sleeves. Yeah, yeah. Should I just use knee sleeves when I feel like I need to? Uh, lighter squats like these, I don't feel like I need them. Um, when I, we start hitting like closer to like, you know, 225 or, or two plates, 100 kilos, I'll try to do the math for you because I know you don't have your uh, calculator <laughs> on you. So like 100 kilos-ish <laughs> squat, I feel like the knee, the knee sleeves benefit me. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think? Honestly, just comfort. Okay. It's not a big deal. Like you're not doing a competition. Right. Like if you were doing a comp and like we're prepping for a comp and you know, okay, you're going to use knee sleeves for the comp, we'll be specific and we'll be like, Hey, let's just use knee sleeves the whole time. We're only going to do a comp in six months or whatever, one comp. 
you might as well practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not too fast. It's more just comfort. Like okay. at the end of the day, there's there's like the more things we add and the more non-negotiables we put in, the less likely they're going to be adhered to. So like I rather just focus on a few set things and do them really fucking well. Okay. Um, so with accessories for you specifically, um, I don't mind. Just go nuts. I think when we start getting heavier though, you will obviously find more comfort having knee sleeves on. Um, the one thing, the one accessory equipment that I rather manage is belt. Um, uh, I was about to ask about that. Let's let's talk about the belt. Yeah. So belt because, okay. So if you put your belt on really, really tight and that's the only thing you do, you it kind of, it's hard to learn how to brace well or create like intra-abdominal pressure, which is pretty, put, pretty much put simply, you want to make the squishy part, your tummy, like a bone when you're squatting. There's no, there's nothing to keep you stable here. You want to be able to get as much air, as much pressure into your stomach region to make it like a bone. Now, if you, if you wear a belt all the time, sometimes, not sometimes, but generally, um, you kind of, it's harder to learn that bracing mechanic. And it's a lot easier to learn when you don't have like something to assist you. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing that I do rather you not use the belt to begin with. But if the belt helps manage the QL, which is a priority and it like, that's probably going to be more important. Um, but then again, one of the things, one of the reasons that you have QL issues is I believe is that you're not as, you're not as efficient in bracing. So if mm-hmm. we were to implement a belt now, we're going to get away from getting our bracing mechanics better. Um, hence, why the loads are really light, so you shouldn't need a belt anyway. True. Um, that's the only one equipment that I kind of tell my clients and will tell you as well when to put it on. Okay. Um, for that reason. All right. That Fair makes enough. sense. Yes, that it does. Simple. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> I felt like my my bracing mechanics were fine, but then you've made the comments about that it might be related to my QL. So fair enough. We can um, uh, not do the belts for the time being. And you're right. The loads are light enough that I don't feel like I need it. So. We can talk about how to use the belt properly as well. If you, there's um, a lot we can go into. If it's something that we've already talked about, like, I mean, I already, okay. So you know what? I'll just explain for the belt. And then you fill in any knowledge gaps. Uh, yeah. If you feel like I'm saying something incorrect or something that specifically is actually contributing to my QL, because I pretty much agree with everything you said. Um, so for the belt, basically, uh, you don't want it too tight. Like I, without bracing right now, I can still get in my uh, fingers and hand here. Uh, if I do brace, I can still wedge it in there if I try. But it's actually it actually feels a little bit loose on me right now because it's a it's a lever belt. So I'm actually between notches right now but basically um with the belt we should be taking a deep belly breath and then pushing down and out to where we're pressing against it and creating intradermal pressure in all directions to basically create more stability uh and the belt shouldn't be so so tight that it's impacting your ability to actually perform and get in position um that's my quick tldr on belts um besides other things you said but what do you what do you think the that's exactly (laughs) i'm on the same boat as you i think one thing just to add so people uh know is that um the reason people can lift more with a belt is because yes it makes you more stable as tom said and stability the more stable you are the easier it is to express strength 
Um, I think I used this analogy with Tom before. It was, if you were to shoot a cannon on a boat, the cannon is not going to be very accurate and not going to be very strong. Whereas if you put the cannon on like a, on the floor on like a, a firm piece of ground and shot a firm piece of ground law and then <laughs> shot the cannon, um, it would be more accurate and stronger. So like, it's kind of similar. It's like we, we want to, the things that we're working on, um, generally we want to create more stability because it's easier to express strength. The more stable you are, um, the easier it is to really like go. Like, and the evidence for that, if you want some anecdotal for yourself, like do a squat and then go onto a leg press and then max out your leg press. You'll find that just lying down, being on a machine rather than free weighted, it's easier for you to kind of use your quads, use your legs and push more weight. So ideally what we're trying to create when we're powerlifting is we want to make it like a machine, like you're mm -hmm. on a machine equipment. Like you want to have your like big braids or back really tight, really balanced, just like you'd be on any machine. And that way, when you go to squat, it's, you can express all your strength in your legs and it's like no power leakage and it's not going anywhere else. That's mm -hmm. kind of to add onto the belt. The reason why people find belts help a lot is because it just, the squishy part where there's no bone is right here and you have it tight and creating pressure down there is obviously going to increase your stability and hence yeah. increase your strength. Yeah, good stuff. Good explanation. All right. Um, we're going to move on to the next part because I think that's pretty much all I did. I was warned. Oh, actually warmups. I forgot about warmups. You had a section for warmups. Yep. Okay. Did you cool. want to talk about this briefly? Yeah. So this is, so I give this all to all my clients. It's actually just, inter it's an interactive warmup guide. Now, <clears throat> if you have injuries or have things you need to do before training, you should do that before doing barbell warmups, obviously. Yep. But this will, it's just something simple to if you're like oh i don't know um what barbell warm-ups to do so for example like if you're doing um 145 pound squat like you'll do some warm-up sets that are a lot lighter before before doing that 145 pounds just so you're warm you practice your movement you practice your groove so your technique is good when you're doing the difficult task um so this guide here is actually interactive so if you just like let's say because if you do the first column in the warm-up guide where it says load, if you just type the load in, yeah, if you just change that to, I don't know, an, any number, it will tell you a rough idea of what I would recommend generally mm -hmm. um, to warm up with. I know it's in kilos. <laughs> yeah, I know, but whatever. <laughs> so, you know, I'll change it to freedom pounds to in my head. I would just assume they're, they're pounds, yeah. right? Oh no. Um, well, is the math the yeah. same if you do it in pounds? <laughs> it should be. If you right? just do a converter, it's just yeah. percentages. So it should, it should be the same. Um, <laughs> The main thing about barber warmups, we, we want to, as I said, uh, practice the groove, practice your technique, get warm, but not, not make it too tiring and too taxing that it takes away from your main work. So that's, okay. that's where it's balanced. If you actually look at the warm-up guide, the reps, as you get closer to your working set, go down, um, but the weight increases and gets closer to the, to the warm-up, sorry, the, to the working weight. So your warm-up should... If it's not followed by this guide, for example, it should be something similar where as you're getting closer to the working loads, your rep should be coming down so it doesn't fatigue you. But it should also, you should also feel like you're getting warm and you're getting better as you're approaching a working set. So by the time it's working set time, you're at 100%, you're ready to go, but you're not tired. Yeah. That's the main thing for barbell warm-ups. But yeah, that's what that section is. It's like some people would rather have something to tell you exactly what to do, but it's just a guide. 
Like it's not, it's not any, it's not something that I'm like, you have to use this. It's just like, if you want a rough idea what to do, I have yeah. this for my clients to, to use. So to yeah. give you an idea for like bench press, if I were to do a bench press warm up, it would be a little bit closer to your one to three rep style, but I'd actually probably throw in more, more just plain barbell warm up reps. If I was doing like yeah. 225 pounds, which is like hundred kilos, um, I would do <clears throat> more, more reps of the empty bar and probably yep. one additional rep at 225 just because well, you can see as well mm-hmm. yeah no you finish finish first it's more important. um just because i feel like i need to hit that to prime my cns i need to hit that uh working weight with one rep or so but anyway mm. go ahead on the warm-up guide if you actually go back to it you can save so there's different columns so it's like for the higher reps so generally with higher reps obviously you're going to be doing like a lighter load but when we look at the reps one to three, um, you may feel like you need a bit more warm up because like that's going to be hard or like whatever. That's why there is an option B there to do five warm ups. Yeah. Now, in general terms, you don't have to do four warm ups. You don't have to do five warm ups. At the yeah. end of the day, it's how you feel. Yeah. But you also got to be aware is that we don't want to be fatigued by the time we go in there. Like we want to be feeling fresh. So yeah. it should be like it should be efficient. We don't want to do ex- like too much work in the warm up because the goal, especially as a as a coach, when you write a program down like that's something i'm not tracking like i'm not tracking how much work he's doing this warm-up i'm just assuming that um he's doing enough warm-up to feel good but not taxing himself mm-hmm. um and again it's something you don't really need to manage as much as a coach because let's say you are feeling really tired at the like end of your block and like i don't know why that is like it looks really easy you're always going to do the same kind of warm-ups all the time so me changing the variables within the actual program as long as the warm-up stays consistent, um, I don't have to contribute the higher fatigue to the warm-up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's about it. Okay, sounds good. <clears throat> now, uh, now I'm gonna move on to just my general questions for you, and then we'll be wrapping up soon. Cool. Uh, so powerlifting uh, coaches, stuff like that, just coaches in general, who should seek a coach, who should not seek a coach? Okay, um, my general philosophy with a lot of things is that in life, people get, um, people focus on certain things and people are professional in for a reason. Um, there's only so much time people can have in their lives to do things, right? So the whole people, the whole reason society works really is that people pick something to niche at, they spend time in getting good at that skill. And then people exchange money to, for that person to get that person's kind of professional help. So like what I'm kind of trying to say is that if you're someone who you're really busy and you don't have time to learn all these intricate things about training and you just want to literally go and train, um, having a coach can help a heap for that. Um, a thing I would like to mention though, with co- there's a difference between coaching and personal training. Now, per- a PT is there more as, I guess, I see my view on it is more a support, more as kind of like motivation. Whereas a coach is there to guide. Like it's it's a guide, it's someone to guide your training and work with you as a team. Like if you, and like a good way to explain that, I think a lot of people think when I tell them I'm a powerlifting coach, like they obviously think PT, which is fairly accurate. It's very similar. But like the reason I say I'm a coach, because I see myself more as like a football coach for powerlifters or for athletes. It's like the coach is not there to like, yeah, he has some role in motivating you, 
but I rather motivate you through a, through the process and through something that you can adhere to and teaching you things and getting to understand stuff more to make you a better athlete rather than like, just be like, you do this and you do this hard. Like that's where I feel like it comes more PT. Whereas a coach is like, I'm teaching you, I'm guiding you in the right direction. I'm working with your character. I'm working with things you enjoy. I'm trying to make it sustainable. Um, I'm like the coach ideally is an intervention into a problem. So like you're trying, you hire a coach because you have a problem you haven't been able to fix it or, and you need someone to help you um, fix that issue. And a coach should be able to, what I've done with Tom is like, sit down, talk to the, talk to the client, be like, Hey, um, you've had X issue. Let's work out why that's not working. Um, and then let's work as a team to fix that problem. Um, so I think a coach there's a lot of other things like other reasons why you should have a coach and like the value in having a coach. But I think the, the, like the main thing is like a coach should be almost, it's like a team. Um, and it's someone where like, I have obviously a bit more knowledge in the powerlifting area or in the, in the strength training area. So rather than you go out and like waste your time with all the misinformation out there and all that kind of stuff, have someone there to help you. And if you're still interested, like you want to put time into learning those kind of things, you have someone there to make sure you're not being misinformed or to chat or to discuss about things you've learned. Um, again, that's why I, I like to work as a team and educate more as a coach rather than as a personal trainer, because I, I really like people to not only helps me improve as a coach, like to uh, ask me questions and, ask me things that they've read on the internet. It makes me better, but also makes you better having uh, someone else's opinion that you can trust. Mm -hmm. I think that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what, about, answer? what about people who should not be seeking a coach? Who should? I've got a bit of a yeah. bias. Mm -hmm. I, I like, obviously, like, I'm a, obviously a powerlifting coach. Oh my God, he wants to take all, everyone's money. Like he wants yeah. to earn a big coach. So no, it's not like that. Like I do. Money I, stealer. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I have a, I have a powerlifting coach. Tom, I'm coaching Tom. Yeah. Like there is value in having coach. doesn't matter how smart you are. As I said, being able to have someone manage your training, which is really easy, keep you accountable and you can discuss and make yourself better and more knowledgeable by like, you know, talking to each other and talking about information and all that kind of stuff. There's so much value in it. Um, I would say that the only time you shouldn't have a coach is like if you guys conflict or you guys don't get along um, don't force yourself to stay with that coach. Like it should be like, I, I was listening to an MMA coach talk about it. It's like, he likes to create friendships with his clients. And I'm kind of the same. Like, I want to get to know the person. I want to become your friend. If we don't click, no hard feelings. Like we're just not the right fit for each other. There's other people out there. So to kind of answer your question is like, I think majority of people should have coaches and not just for training, like for across the board, like for everything for mental health, all those kind of things. I think there's people out there with lots of knowledge and experience that you should utilize in the world. Mm -hmm. Like there's only so much you can do. And that's just the reality. There's only so much you can learn. Take advantage of people being obsessed with weird shit. Like get <laughs> yeah. to know them, learn from them, all that kind of stuff. It will save you so much time. And like time is money. You know what I mean? You don't want to be wasting all this. If you have a family, you already have a profession, you have other hobbies and you want to get training. 
it's going to make more sense to pay someone to help assist in that process rather than spending all this time and effort in trying to almost do a bit of guesswork. And as well, with specifically for the fitness industry, there's so much misinformation out there that it can be really daunting doing it by yourself. Like it just helps having someone there be like, hey, man, that's fucking bullshit. Don't yeah. listen to that. <laughs> so what about advanced people like yourself? Like other, a lot of yeah. really advanced powerlifting coaches, they have coaches. Did you want to touch on that about like why coaches yeah, have coaches? <clears throat> I think when you're training yourself, doesn't matter the, the level, you're always going to have a bias and it's really hard to get away from that bias. Yeah. Like, for example, I might wake up one day and I feel like shit. And this is, and like, I don't want to, I don't need to be motivated. I'm going to train. But like, if I have an exercise and I've written down, let's just say dumbbell bench press. And I don't feel like doing dumbbell bench press today. If it's not my program, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. Like, <laughs> I can't be asked. Like, and I know as well, cause I know better sub other substitutes. There's more, I give myself reasons not to do that exercise. So having someone else manage your training, it keeps you really accountable for one. And also I'm writing programs all day. The last person I want to try think objectively for was myself. Cause it's so hard to objectively think for yourself. And that's just the reality. So having someone else just manage your training, um, as I said, it's not just like, there's other reasons to have a coach outside of, I kind of just someone to tell you what to do. That's one aspect of it. Um, so yeah, that's why I see value in having coach for myself. Also for myself too, if you are advanced trainee, it's a good way to test your knowledge and see what other people are doing because coaching is kind of like an art and there's definitely people have their own different methods and bias to like different principles and being able to work with someone and see how they apply their, their principles and like the way they choose to apply the principles um, is really interesting. So like I, I, I said, even if you're really smart, I would definitely recommend like having a coach. There's just yeah. so much value. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I agree with that too. Like the, everyone <clears throat> can be taught. Everyone can learn something new. So, um, I always thought about getting a coach, but I just couldn't find the right match until I met, until I met Brendan. And then it's like a match oh. made in heaven. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so my next question I want to ask is, uh, what are some of your go-to techniques for increasing uh, strength in, in volume for a beginner, intermediate, and a, advanced lifter? Now, what I mean specifically is they're not they're not competing. They're just a general person who wants to build some muscle, get a little bit stronger. Uh, the different stages, beginner, intermediate, advanced. What are some of your go-to techniques to increase that stuff? Um, I hate being this person. There's not really any go-to techniques. <laughs> Like that's not kind of how it works. It's the wrong way to look at it. Mm -hmm. um, but think like there's definitely common issues that I'll see all the time. So okay. it's technique is very individual dependent. Um, I have kind of put it this way. I have like a set idea of what, is, what I want to do. Um, but then it comes down to actual practice and it comes down to the actual person. Um, and that is dependent on uh, lever lengths or like limb lengths or I don't know, a simpler way to put it, but like the length of your limbs, your height, your weight, your size, all that has an effect on your technique. So that's why I can't really say what's the go-to thing technique. Um, there's kind of like an idea of what things should look like and how things should work and how the movement should look. But then it has to come down to like what actually happens in practice. I will say though, a go-to thing for your technique is you want to, again, create more stability because that way you can 
increase your strength. That's the idea. Be as stable and as efficient as possible so that there's one, no power leakage so that um, you don't hurt certain things um, and you can lift more weight. So my go-to is always stability, um, I guess, but that's a very broad right, thing. Right. Like it's just very, it's very individual. Like the technique part is super, super individual. Like that's like, you can get strong off kind of any generic program. You might get hurt or you could, or might not work as well as you wanted, but the program can, you can get away with less flexibility. Whereas technique, um, you got to be quite accurate and specific for yourself because that will make probably more difference in how much you squat in the beginning phases anyway. Hmm. I think once you become, especially as well over time, even if you have, uh, this kind of kind of contradicts my point, but even if you have bad technique, if it doesn't hurt you, you can actually get pretty strong with that bad technique too. Um, but the reason I say that is because you want to be doing the same kind of movement pattern over time. If your technique constantly changes, you never allow your body to adapt to that certain movement pattern. Um, I've seen people with really, really horrible technique lift really high loads. So then I don't know if it is then horrible um, and not hurt themselves. So that is also fine. And that goes to my point in, it's hard to tell you what's exactly the right technique when you can on paper have bad technique, but if you lift more than me and beat me in a competition, who's actually got better technique or who's actually doing better? Yeah, the person true. with the bad technique is doing better than me. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, good That's another way to look at it as well. Yeah. Okay. We're, I'm going to ask you one more question. It will get a chance for you to yeah. talk about yourself, shout yourself out. Uh, if you guys have questions that are specific to both of us, feel free to ask it now in chat. Otherwise, we're going to get ready to uh, raid Brandon after this. And then you guys can just go to him for form checks, ask him questions specifically. He's going to be live or be ending soon. So my last question for you, uh, Brandon, any favorite PT or recovery tools? Um, PT or recovery tools. Like for Honestly, example, sleep. Oh, sleep. That's a good one. <laughs> like legit, like keep it, keep it simple. Like I think a lot of people, especially beginners just get really concentrated on these small things. And like people are very interested in short-term fixes. Like they think there's something out there that's going to be better than sleep. You know, yeah. what the fuck is it? I need to know what it is. Honestly, if you just manage your sleep and put the effort in trying to manage your sleep rather than finding the magic pill, you will find a lot better results in your recovery. Also program structure too. But I mean, if you're looking for the one thing to help, like seriously, just sleep. Like, so let me ask you, sleep. Uh, how much sleep are we yeah. talking about? Like how much sleep do you get? And what about most people you coach? Like how much sleep do they need, uh, you know, during training, <clears throat> off training, anything like that? Okay. So this is something I'm actually not as knowledgeable in. So I have to say like, I have a general idea, but I don't know the actual details of it. So I'm not as confident sure. into like giving like a true opinion, but you sh I think the best way to look at it, like be logical. Like if you're having six hours sleep and you're saying you're feeling fine, but you know, you're not feeling great. And then you go to training, you're training shit. And there's like other objective factors that are poor and like, you're not happy, all those kind of things. Then you're probably not getting much sleep. And like the general advice is around eight hours of sleep. Yeah um a day that's the general like health advice mm -hmm. uh there's with most things there's obviously um some variance to that like there's going to be some people out there who legit could get away from six hours sleep but like they're probably the extreme outliers like the chance it's you 
is so unlikely. Um, so I would always just say, you know, just go by what, you know, what the health professionals guide, yeah. which is like eight hours a day. I was more curious about your coaching experience. If you noticed that yeah. powerlifters, elite powerlifters or all the people you coach really do need more sleep, like they can't get away on seven. You notice like you personally, you do nine to 10 or like most people you coach, they need nine to 10. Um, Anything like that from your experience? Yeah, I've had a couple clients who like, I literally just told them, man, all you need to do manage your time better and get more sleep uh it it comes down to the person again like i can i'll give you an example so uh this lift is a uh it's female lifter um and like i knew she went through a breakup recently with her boyfriend Mm. um so like i was obviously managing training and we had like maybe six months where she just fucking killed it while she was with her boyfriend and then after that things start going to shit like absolute shit and one of the simple things is like, uh, that's when I was like, okay, I had a chat with her. I'm like, yo, what's happening? Like training is going so good. You want to just like have a chat and just talk about what's like, what's going on. And like, she's just pretty much, you know, really stressed and like all these kind of, all these kind of things. Um, and not only was she super stressed, but the result of all that stress was that she wasn't getting much sleep. Um, and that definitely had an effect on her training. Like her performance went way down. Um, every, she was kind of like progressing really linearly and then there was this massive drop. So that was something that I noticed and picked up on. And then I was like, okay, there must be a problem. <clears throat> if you, if you are getting stronger and you know, your life is good and everything is managed really well. Um, even if you're not getting eight hours sleep, there's some people who literally just like, you know, realistically, they might not have the exact time to get the full eight hours sleep. Like I've trained people who are like CEOs of companies and all that kind of stuff. And you kind of just got to work with what, what time they have. Like, again, sleep is super, super important and will help your training. But also people don't, people in reality, training is not a priority. Like it is something down the priority list. Like it might, they might want to get better, but it's not something that they want to be the, like the best power lift ever. Like they just have fun lifting. Um, as I said, I would always recommend more sleep, but like if they're super, super busy, like we just got to work with what we got. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I agree yeah. with a lot what you said. Did I answer the question? Absolutely. I don't know if. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, all right. Um, I don't see any questions in particular in chat. So we're going to finish this off with Brandon. Tell us where people can find you and are you up to anything exciting or anything new coming up? <laughs> um, okay. You can just on Instagram, you can find me at coach Bundan. Um, yeah. I'm also, I do stream on Twitch, but not that often. <laughs> just up there. Wait, right there. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't stream on Twitch that often. So if you are interested in anything or you want to chat, just DM me on Instagram. If you want to whisper me on Twitch as well, like feel free. I'm I'm pretty chill. I'm not the busiest, busiest person in the world. So when I have time, I can get back to you. Um, yeah, but mainly just Instagram. Uh, in terms of exciting things, obviously we're starting the the 5PH with Tom. So that's yes. pretty cool. I'm very keen with that. Did you want to talk about that at all? On stream? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll talk about, about it briefly. I've talked about it to my to my audience, but for uh, people who are interested, exclamation mark coaching, uh, there's a Google form in the you type exclamation mark coaching in the chat room. Uh, type out uh, or fill out the Google form. Just put your email address if you're interested. Five <laughs> uh, PH coaching is something we're going to test out. It's five pillars of health that five pillars of health being sleep. We talked about that one, nutrition, exercise, uh, and um, mental health as well as community. So this group coaching direction that we're trying out 
is going to be less focused on the one-on-one micromanaging someone's plan, but much more like doing group sessions on a weekly basis to kind of do accountability and see what people are struggling with and really like deep dive those issues. So that's going to be more the focus of this coach is we're, we're going to try to do something new that is not being done a whole lot. Cause like a lot of traditional coaching is very much like what Brandon has described, right? Where you got a plan, let's see how your lift's doing. And let's kind of like go over those week by week. Although we do, will do some of that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. So, uh, yeah. Brandon, any other thoughts or questions? Um, quickly to add on to that, mm-hmm. my anecdote I did with my uh, female client, um, it's actually something I wish I tried really hard to recommend to her was that the problem wasn't the coach. The problem wasn't like my programming. There wasn't much I could actually do to help her anymore. But the thing that she would really need was to see like, not to do, not just to see a psychologist, but just have someone to speak to properly and like someone who's more knowledgeable in that mental health area to work with because that was affecting yeah. her training. The problem yeah. wasn't like she's not informed well or she's not doing the stuff properly. She was doing everything properly. She just had this big thing weighing her down. Um, so I think there's so much like so much value in that service is that, man, just having someone to talk to and someone who is um, knowledgeable in their certain area, like there's, it just would help so much. And like, if there was, <clears throat> if we had this thing running already, ideally I would have just referred her to like, Hey, how about you just come to these like sessions, have a chat. And like, I think that's going to help you the most right now. Cause right now, it's not the training or your commitment to training. That's a problem It's there's an underlying issue there that we need to start working on. Um, yeah. So yeah, just to touch onto the five pH stuff, it's really exciting because I've already seen like, even with my clients, there's been areas that I can't personally help because I just don't have all the skills to help that person. Whereas um, with this five pH stuff, like having that team is going to be so sick. And like, I'm even excited for myself to learn um, from Sahil and also from Tom I'm yeah. definitely going to be going in and listening. Yeah. And yeah. I'll, you know what? I'll probably have a bit of like some mental health sessions with Sahil, you know, like just yeah. speak my mind and yeah, it'll definitely help so no, much. No, actually I, I did something that with Sahil like uh, a week ago. I was a bit stressed out and uh, I had a, you know, a quick one-on-one session with him just talking it out. Um, it, it's very helpful. Whether you get therapy, whether you just talk to a friend, I mean, in some ways talking to a friend is therapy. Um, whether you're just doing meditation, all that kind of stuff. I think uh, all that stuff for, for mental health is, is huge because my quick advice on mental health is, if something is chronically bothering you, you should do something about that. Like it's not just a what type thing. We all have bad days, but like it's a, it's a chronic issue where you're bothered by it and it's not going away. You got to do something about it, whether that's you address it, you confront it, you come to acceptance, you do meditation, talk to a doctor, talk to a psychiatrist, friend, a coach, whatever it is, do something. Don't just let it fester and eat at you because that shit can change your life in a bad way. So 100%. Yeah. No, sweet. All right. Good, man. All Thank right. You. Awesome, Thank man. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, dude, thank you for being here. All right, guys, no, um, cool. we're going to say goodbye to Brandon now, and he is live right now, and we're going to be rating him in just a couple of minutes. So, Brandon, thank you again for coming on, and we'll see you in a few. If this podcast earned it, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. We're new to the podcast space, and we will be reading all the feedback. Also, if you like the content, follow us on twitch.tv slash time and keep notifications on for when we go live. Feed your brain, feed your body, and we'll see you next time.